Before we prepare to come to the Lord's table this morning, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. And as we do, um, I want us to remember the families of those who were killed this week in Aurora, Colorado. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, I just want to pray in the strong name of Jesus right now that you would be with those who have lost loved ones in the tragedy that occurred in Aurora, Colorado, God, this week. And Father, we don't understand, we don't pretend to try to interpret or try to figure out what happened there. But God, we, as a body of believers, can pray for those who lost loved ones. And Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them strength. God, that you would help as fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and grandparents, God, grieve the loss of loved ones. And I pray that you would use a tragic situation like this, maybe even to push some people to follow you as their Savior. God, I pray that you would turn something beautiful out of the pain and the grief and the agony that those folks are going through. And I pray that you would be with those churches, those organizations there in the Denver area that will have such an influence on those who have gone through this grief. I pray your blessing on them in this time of need. And Father, as we prepare to approach your table, God, you taught us in your word to inspect ourselves, to look deep within as we approach your table. And Father, you told us, you instructed us to come to the table with a pure heart and clean hands. And Father, right now, just in this moment of silence, I pray that you would investigate our lives, pierce our hearts, find, as King David said, if there's any wicked way within us. And I pray that we would confess that to you in these moments together. And thank you, God, that you take that sin, you take those transgressions, and you separate them as far as the east is from the west. Search our hearts in this moment of silence. And Father, as we approach your table today, I pray that we would be reminded of what it represents, your death for our sins. And Father, may, as your word says, says, may we decrease so that you may increase. May you be glorified and may we use this as a platform to proclaim the good news of you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning, week two of being here in our new facility, and I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, I'm the pastor here, and uh, we are uh, having communion this morning. We've traditionally done communion several different ways, and you might see some of these ways in the future. Uh, Sometimes we have uh, a station where you can go and you can take uh, the Lord's Supper or uh, uh, communion uh, on your own after the service is over, and occasionally we'll gather together as a church family and take communion together. And uh, I remember as a, uh, as a teenager in my formative spiritual years growing up at the church that we attended, um, Lowburn Alliance Church in uh, Lowburn, Georgia. And I remember uh, with great fondness those times where we would come together as a church family and celebrate around the Lord's table. 
And uh, I hope today that as we do that, that you're able and that you ask God for the ability to put all of the cares of the world aside and to be able to focus on what Christ did on the cross. You know, Jesus and his disciples, they entered Jerusalem the week of Passover. They were celebrating, the Jewish people were celebrating the fact that God had delivered his people, the Jewish people, uh, from the hands of the Egyptians many centuries and many generations prior. And they would gather together, and they would gather together in these rooms, and there would often be a rabbi or someone who knew the stories of God's faithfulness, and he would lead them in remembering what God had done. And as you just saw on the screens, each detail from the incense to the mint to the herbs that were used to the wine or juice that was given there, each detail of that Seder supper, that Passover meal, represented something spiritual. It represented something about who God is and his relationship with mankind. But it's interesting, we kind of have a picture of what might have happened in Jerusalem. We kind of have this picture of Jesus gathering in the upper room with his disciples. And there they are, Jesus and the 12 disciples, his closest friends, those who decided to follow him. And we have a picture in our minds of them reclining there, maybe on the floor or around a table. And maybe even we have a picture of them relaxing a bit as they had this meal. And we kind of have a picture in our minds of this bountiful meal. And you know what? It was a lot like that. They were there to celebrate God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And we have this picture that, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, Jesus was explaining God's faithfulness. And we, we have that picture that he would tell his disciples what God did by uh, uh, having his people uh, flee out of Egypt. And the hand of God was on his people. And I'm sure that's what happened that night before Passover. Jesus would be, as a rabbi himself, explaining that to his followers. And we have this picture of these men gathered together, maybe excited about eating and tasting the food and tasting those herbs and smelling the smells, and all that probably happened. But you know, I suspect that what we may not think about or what we may forget about that day is that there was a troubling environment. There was a tension that was going on among those disciples that night. Jesus had already in his lifetime and in his ministry, he had already hinted to them the idea that one day he would be leaving. And being the stubborn men that they were, they didn't believe him. And in fact, the Gospel of John records the details of what Jesus explained to them that night. And he explained over and over again that he was going to be leaving them and that time was coming very soon. And so not only was this a time when they were celebrating God's faithfulness, but in that upper room that evening, I'm sure there was a tremendous amount of tension. It might have even been a bit disturbing for his followers. I mean, think about it. These were men who left everything in complete abandonment to follow this rabbi, this quite radical rabbi. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this Passover meal, this time when they were supposed to be celebrating God's faithfulness, Jesus explains to them that he is going to leave. And I'm sure there was a tremendous amount of tension. I'm sure there was a tremendous uh, amount of being bothered that this man, who they had left their families and their careers and their towns and their villages, would now be 
leaving. And Jesus, think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus explains right in the middle of this meal that all of a sudden over the next the course of the next few hours that there would be one who would betray him, selling him to the Roman authorities and the Jewish religious leaders. He would go on to explain that there was one of these 12 who would deny him, that would say, I don't know who he is. He's not a friend of mine. And he would go on to tell them that he would be the sacrificial lamb. And Jesus, remember, was all man, but he was also all God. So he knew that in the coming hours, he would be arrested, that he would be tried and convicted on trumped-up charges that were erroneous. And he knew that he would be beaten, that he would be flogged, and he knew that his body would be torn and that blood would be shed. And it's very interesting because right in the middle of this Seder supper, this Passover meal, Jesus does something that I think is remarkable. Knowing all that he knows, thinking about all the things that are about to happen, all the denials, all the arrests, all the betrayals, Jesus stops for a moment. And you know what he does? He gives thanks. He gives thanks. In the middle of this tense room, he stops and he gives thanks. Paul records it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. The supper stopped for a moment to give God thanks. Even on the night that Jesus knew where he was going, he gave thanks. And I think that we as Christ followers often miss the idea of giving thanks when we gather around the Lord's table. I think that we so too often are caught up in all of our troubles, all of our cares, the lack of money, the lack of funding, the lack of relationship, or maybe too much relationship, the fact that the pile of stuff at work never goes down, it always goes up. I think we get so caught up that we forget about the fact that part of coming around the Lord's table is to pause and give thanks to God. The Jewish people had done it for centuries. And Jesus, knowing all that he knew in that moment, stopped and he gave thanks. So part of my challenge before we come together and we eat the bread and we take the cup, part of my challenge to you this morning is to pause and give thanks. Even in the midst of maybe your most deepest, darkest, most terrible personal crisis, stop and give thanks. I bet you could find something that you could be thankful for. Think about it for a moment. We have family. Some of you are like, yeah, Todd, you don't know my family. That's not reason. Terrible example to give thankfulness towards. Well, we have family. We have people who love us. We have friends that the Bible says sometimes stick closer than a brother. My mom and dad and my grandfather and his wife, Dodie, have been with us the last uh, day. And it was so great to see them and to see four generations of people with our children. And I stopped and I gave thanks because of the great influence they've had in my life. And I bet that you have someone in your life who you can be thankful for. We can stop for a moment and give thanks for the roof that's over our heads. We, most of us, hopefully, aren't homeless 
And we have a shelter to go to. We have a place to go to. And God has provided for that. We can pause as a church right now and give thanks for what he's provided. We'll talk about that at the end of the service for this place. where We can come and worship and you can actually invite friends and not have them sweating all morning like we were in the old place. We can pause and give thanks for so many things, can't we? And I want us to do that this morning as we come around the Lord's table. I want us to give thanks, but I want us to be reminded of the thing that we should be most grateful for. And that's the sacrifice that God made when he sent his son to die a brutal death on the cross for our sins. God said that he sent Jesus, his son, to this earth to do just that so that each one of you can have the opportunity to spend eternity with God in heaven. That's great news, isn't it? That's the best news. And that's the thing that we ought to be most thankful for today. If you're in here today and you're not a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to not take communion. Communion is one of those things, one of those things that Jesus established that's for the Christ follower. But here's my encouragement to you if you're not a Christ follower this morning. Why not take the opportunity to become that? And here in a few moments as we take communion, I want to encourage you to take a look at your notes this morning. There's a paragraph there that explains exactly what you need to do to ask Jesus to be your Savior. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he died for us, then we will be saved. Now, Jesus took the bread that night in the Seder Supper, and he broke that bread, and he began to pass it around the room, like we're going to do here in a few moments. And he passed it around the room there. And he did that, and the bread in the, Seder, in the Passover meal symbolized it symbolized perfection because it was unleavened bread. Now, the bread that we'll take this morning is not unleavened, but it was a symbol of perfection. And when we take that bread, what I want you to think about is I want you to think about the fact that God sent a perfect sacrifice because that's what we needed. We're full of sin. We're full of transgression. And we had to have something perfect to be that atonement for our sins. And God sent Jesus, a perfect man, to do just that.